Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson. I'm the founder of Stack, the service that searches out the world's best independent magazines and delivers them direct to thousands of readers around the world every month. If you love discovering great new publishing from outside the mainstream, head over to stackmagazines.com and use the code podcast to save 10% when you join our independent magazine club. This week, I'm speaking with Asha Penn, editor and founder of Sex Magazine, which is a title I discovered just a few weeks ago. And it's worth saying upfront that it's totally not a sex magazine. Instead, it publishes brilliantly personal Q&A interviews with uh, artists and musicians and other creative people. And in this conversation, Asher explains how the magazine has evolved over the years and how he's developed his characteristic style, which draws upon his interviewees' life experiences as a way to understand their creative output. I'm very pleased to say we have copies of Sex available to buy in the Stack shop at the moment. So head over to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop if you want to pick one up for yourself. And in the meantime, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Asha from Sex Magazine. Asha, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Thanks for having me. So you are um, the man behind um, Sex Magazine, uh, and I have to confess, I'm a little bit late to the party with this. So, so this is issue 11 that I've got in front of me, and it's the first time that I'd come across it. Um, what's the story with this magazine? What, what's been happening for the previous 10 issues? Yeah, um, so Sex uh, Magazine was initially launched in 2012, it was an online only publication at a time when, uh, which is hard to believe, when most magazines weren't putting the majority of their efforts to online publishing. It was mm-hmm. kind of an interesting in-between period. Mm-hmm. And we did uh, 10 issues um, quarterly starting in 2012, um, online only. And um, I put a lot of efforts at the time into making a what I thought was a, a quite a special online mag, uh, magazine experience. It was an interview-based magazine. I was trying to um, bring the experience of kind of my favorite magazines from the uh, early 2000s to the digital realm. Uh, magazines like Index and Butt and uh, Early Purple. Um, and uh, yeah, so I did 10 issues. I got a little burnt out. I uh, started operating the magazine strictly as a blog. Um, our blog was, was called Sex Life. And um, then after a certain point, I got even more burnt out, decided to take a hiatus. And uh, I'm really glad I did because it would. that's what kind of inspired me to bring the magazine back as a print-only publication. I should also mention there was a, a there was an anthology published of the first 10 issues, kind of a best of. Um, it probably, probably only covered about like a quarter of, our out, of the magazine's output, but mm-hmm. that got mm-hmm. put out by Powerhouse Books. Okay, okay. So was that you uh, dipping your toe in the water for print then? Yeah, actually, that's exactly how the, I wasn't, I I remember when we did the book, 
I really wasn't sure about how I was going to translate the experience of the online publication to print. And this uh, format and this template kind of developed um, in the production of that of that book. And uh, that's still the format and the template that uh, I've been using for this, uh, for, for the magazine and I'm going to continue using for the magazine. Mm-hmm. So what was it then that made you think when you came back, you wanted to turn this into something that's in print rather than something that lives online? Like I said, in 2012, it was a really specific, it, it, it's so hard. It's funny to try to look back on it and to remember what the internet was like in 2012. <laughs> a lot of people were just getting their first iPhones around that time. Mm. And, um, the internet really had this, I, I remember at the time really feeling that um, I, the, only, the only interesting things I was reading were in online only. Um, and that um, in general, there was a, just kind of like a dirge in terms of like people putting their energy into online publishing. Um, but a lot has obviously changed in eight years and um, I started to recognize that like I wasn't having a good experience online. I wasn't reading that much online personally. Mm. And um, also having the experience of watching a website that had been designed really, really specifically with, uh, with very strong aesthetic intention and seeing how that changed over time mm. um, as mm. the internet and phones and lot of other things happen i recognized that um print was actually almost the same amount of effort to a large degree in terms of layout and templating and stuff Mm. but actually was going it was a technology that would um as a technology it would um last uh, longer and also just be a a better uh experience for the reader so I don't know. I, yeah, I did a real like a, a real 360, but I'm I'm very glad that the magazine started as a online publication because um, I do feel that it is a publication that is deeply tied to post-internet culture um, by and large. I mean, we, yeah, we we're not exclusive to it, but we definitely have uh, put a primer on celebrating post-internet culture and artists uh, that are part of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably important to say really early on, um, this magazine, Sex Magazine, is not about sex. And so I'm guessing it was never about sex. Yeah, I, I come from an art background and um, I was at a point when, when I was trying to, it started with just saying, I think I want to start a magazine um and a good friend and collaborator at the time bill hayden um suggested the name he was like oh you should just call it sex uh which i thought was funny but then once that it was hard to forget about that idea (laughs) Uh, partially because nobody had done it before um there might have there's a i think there might have been a german magazine called sex um but I haven't been able to find much more information other than like a little bit of a record of a name. Uh, but it had three letters, which is uh, uh, really ideal for a magazine. You know, you've got Mad Magazine, you've got Dis. Um, there's 
then uh, and yeah, I just couldn't believe nobody else had done it before. But I guess as somebody coming from a fine art background, I felt that taking a commonly used word and um, recontextualizing it and appropriating it to uh, a fine art culture publication uh, was totally normal <laughs> and totally okay. Uh, I've had mixed feelings about it, you know, over the years, but I also strongly believe that once I saw the logo, I totally was that it was a, I, I understood it a lot better and understood that I feel that the logo itself really is a part of the name. Okay, that that's important. So let's talk about the logo because the so as you say, three letter word, but very yeah. uh, very impactful, and you've gone with this. Um, I guess it is kind of pixelated. You might call it like a Microsoft Paint kind of uh, uh, aesthetic for sex. So where where does that come from? Well, actually, this is very embarrassing. Uh, the <laughs> after going through the entire issue over and over and over again and in design and uh and uh doing copy edits and stuff and i got the, the publication back from the printers they didn't uh, give us proofs uh that was uh just in terms of just so that we could get a certain kind of deal um the, the biggest thing that was wrong with this issue was the fact that i had thrown in for my uh, no, cover no. a low a low res PNG <laughs> for the logo. Uh, the logo is actually not pixelated. That's but amazing. Cover, but it it works and it's appropriate. Um, I, a friend of mine who was who uh, uh, helped design the logo uh, said, "Oh yeah, that works." Um, so it's thankfully it's flexible that way. Um, no, I mean I think the phrase is that, that you kind of got at the beginning though that. Uh, impactful and i think that people kind of assumed that it was going to be this big bold uh, kind of aggressive um text and then when we found those uh those letters uh, that, that design that uh, that that type um which was from some very random typography book uh that we scanned um that uh, it, it was just, it really captured the nature of it. I don't actually even have the words to describe what it is, but I would say that it is playful, um, relaxed, um, low key, not mm. taking itself too seriously, mm. a little imperfect. Mm. Um, mm. Well, it the, just, uh, it, it, it felt right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one of the things that gave me a really lovely experience with this magazine discovering it for the first time because you know of course a magazine comes along calling itself sex magazine you go okay great let's 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 see what's in here and actually it's one of the the really lovely experiences is the bit where you realize oh, okay this actually isn't really going to be about sex at all so then so what is it about and it sounds like you've got some continuity here with the print magazine from what you were doing before in that it's Q&A interviews with artists, musicians, filmmakers. The thing that really kind of caught my attention is the way that everything gets very personal very quickly. Is it, was that, again, was that always baked into the original concept? Um, no, I think, no. Um, I think that I'd been doing interviews 
for uh, probably about five years before I started the publication. And I think during that time, I recognized that uh, I appreciated one thing that I appreciated in an interview was context and background. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody said something interesting recently that when you're doing an interview, it's always important to start off with something uh, like finding out their something about their background that will establish that they're telling the truth. This might have been for an interrogation thing, but <laughs> like where you know where are you from or something to that effect. And uh, just to kind of get that as a foundation of honesty and stuff. Mm. But for me, um, I've always appreciated, um, as opposed to jumping into the talking points and the, I guess what you would call kind of like jumping in and you've made this amazing thing and why are you so amazing? Um, getting a little bit of background on the person and finding out kind of what the experiences were that led them to where they are. Mm. Um, I read interviews because I was trying to figure out how to be an artist and trying to figure out um, how to, you know, how these people that I admired and how they got to where they were at. And I always found that the best interviews uh, left me with a really specific idea of, of that. Um, so specific that um, maybe even things like envy don't really won't really come into play anymore because you recognize that this person is uh, has had such a specific set of experiences that led them to making the art that they make that they are it's completely tied to their life mm -hmm. um, and uh, the things that have happened in their lives and most of the time um, there's a lot of ups and downs through that. Um, there's a lot of, uh, struggle and there's a lot of challenges. Um, there's a, it's a, a windy path for a lot of creative people. And when I was younger, if, and when I encountered an interview that was generous enough to, to put that kind of information out there, I got a lot out of it. I felt so, uh, in general, I'm far more interested in being able to learn about the trajectory of a person's career and all the specific experiences that got them to that place um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rather than kind of celebrating the talking points. Mm -hmm. And so you, you mentioned that you were reading interviews because you wanted to be an artist. How does this magazine fit in with everything else that you do? Um, it's like research and education. Um, it's a great excuse to be able to do a deep dive and uh, get out of self. Um, that's probably the best part of it, of running a publication. But um, yeah, intellectual diversity, um, being able to spend a lot of time to wrap your head around stuff that isn't, um, isn't yourself. Um, I get a lag, uh, you know, those, uh, I'm very, very grateful for that kind of an excuse to do these kinds of things. There's a, a lovely quote in your editor's letter um, uh, about the strange vortex that running a small magazine can open. And I just I think that's lovely. It's, it's so true that just by starting a magazine like this, you then 
begin speaking to people who you wouldn't necessarily been speaking to and then that leads to other stuff and other stuff and you find yourself suddenly at the heart of this whole world that you've kind of created by making a magazine yeah and i think other people are starting that with the popularity of podcasts um especially people are starting to tap into that experience uh, as well you know um podcasts having guests and stuff is such a they it, it's a great thing you know um being able to have a little mini project for yourself to say well okay i'm going to talk to this person and i need to find out it's it's awesome when you're a fan or when you've been friends for a while um both of which still totally require research but sometimes it's something where you've you, you're you're pretty new to their work or somebody recommended them and it seems like a really good fit and you have uh, you've got to kind of dive in and find out and it's uh and it's uh mind-blowing most yeah. of the time yeah. uh, the stuff that you find you you again so in, in the editor's letter you talk about so the the cover stars for this issue is are is uh 100 is it 100 gex or 100 gex i'm not sure 100 gex unless you've got 100 gex so it's so 100 gex on the cover and in the editor's letter you talk about being at their show and coming across them for the first time and that happening at the same sort of moment that you decide to start this magazine and and just realizing that you'd found people who you wanted to put in the magazine then just like standing outside afterwards with the rest of the fans waiting to talk to them and and that's how the interview happened yeah that was great um that was a really really special night i think uh there that was also a moment where uh i have, a, I have this funny memory of um um, for a while, uh, for a brief period, I was working at uh, Red Bull Music Academy or the studio or whatever, and uh, we were doing a thing with Chino Amobi from Non, and um, I met him, and I remember us, uh, him and I taking the train back to Brooklyn, and I was like super curious about him, and was we were having this conversation, and after kind of he was getting a lot of press at the time, but after being there, I just was after getting off the train being like, I should have recorded that entire conversation. <laughs> like that, that was an interview. That was incredible. Like, um, and it was at a really, really special time and it was all happening so fast that I couldn't even uh, recognize it. So I was really grateful that when the Gex thing was happening, I could kind of actually really see an opportunity unfolding um in real time that i hadn't planned on or anticipated and um that and yeah it was uh, and it was incredibly fortuitous that way um it was you know i i and i've never done that before i've never gone to a concert and then been <laughs> we have waited in line to uh, to get an autograph and take a photograph and that's how you meet the manager um, to organize an interview that had never happened before. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was just, it was such a great show. Um, yeah. It was like just uh, one of those concerts that uh, had a really, really special energy. And um, I took a lot of photos. Um, I actually got <laughs> um, uh, one of the, one of the people that was at the concert uh, 
actually, that uh, actually reached out to me and asked for um, some uh, some of the files from the from photos I took at that concert. But yeah, it was a really, really, really special night, um, and it was also just really inspiring. The energy kind of reminded me of like early ghetto goth um, or um, even kind of some of the. I used to live in Providence, and I used to go to see Lightning Bolt. Um, and uh, I don't know when you're at a moment where you I, I've been around long enough to recognize what it feels like at an early points of a counterculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it really felt like that. Mm-hmm. So you uh, you're now making a, a print magazine. Um, do you have any plans for when issue 12 might come along? That's coming out in January. Oh, right. Um, okay. I think it's going to be, we're going to, the magazine's going to be biannual for now. Um, and yeah, uh, the 12th issue is, um, yeah, it's going to, I'm, I'm really enjoying putting it together. We've gotten, I'd say almost 90% of the interviews have been conducted. Um, they're being edited right now. And uh, it's, uh, really 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 exciting yeah i'm uh, i'm enjoying it a lot but the, the big question of course is are you going to keep the pixelated logo or is it gonna no, is it gonna get it's gonna be a nice nice clean high res yeah it's gonna be beautiful yeah yeah aside from that is there anything that you're looking at this issue because i mean it always happens like you produce an issue of the magazine it comes out in print and straight away there's something that makes you think like ah i've got to do that differently next time is is there anything that you're planning on changing i've got a really great copy editor that i'm working with um um, a good friend of mine um zach sokol who's also a really incredible writer is uh uh wrote me as soon as he got the new issue and said you you really need to work on your copy editing and so um he's been uh going through the interviews and making sure that there aren't any typos and grammar errors and stuff like that which is great um because this this is one of the problems with print is that like you know you once you've printed that thing it's in the world forever so so you know you can't just go back and change something afterwards it really is like getting a tattoo (laughs) <laughs> um, for better or for worse. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm really, it, 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 I'm enjoying putting together the new issue. Um, the, and, uh, like all the, it, it's a lot like it was when I, you know, in the early two thousands and stuff that, uh, there would, there's a, you know, the, I'm really enjoying uh, all the all the people that I've been able to interview so far, and uh, it's exciting and kind of blowing my mind. And we've got some really really interesting stuff coming out. I don't want to say yet um, who will be in it because um, also things change and stuff like that. But um, it will be very very exciting. It's also just in general really exciting right now to be operating in print because there is a certain amount of um, freedom in terms of um, what you put in a publication um, in terms of it getting the, the way that it gets to kind of discussed and distributed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am very, very grateful to have a, a print platform um, yeah. at a point in time like now. Yeah. Well, listen, I really enjoyed number 11, as I said, my first one, but I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the next one when it comes along.
Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Um, uh, thank you so much for uh, having me on your podcast. Awesome. Thanks very much, Asha. Cool. Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Asher for making the time to speak to me and good luck with making issue 12. I totally love the idea that issue 11 is going to become like a special collector's edition and the only one to have the pixelated logo on the front. Remember, if you want one of those for yourself, go and pick one up while we still have stock at stackmagazines.com forward slash shop. And remember to use the code podcast to save 10% off that and all of our other magazines. If you've enjoyed this episode, go and check out our archives and you'll find loads of conversations with independent magazine makers talking about the things that they do. And of course, if you follow us while you're there, we'll be able to keep on sending new issues to you as soon as they're ready. Thanks very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.